0: From high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is The Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks, and welcome to a very special episode of The Joy of Booking, or as I should put it, a list, a list. What, what, a list. Friends... It's the Halloween season! Ha-da-da-da! Da, da. Happy Halloween season! It is the 24th... Yeah, it's the 24th of uh, October, so it's about a week before Halloween. And friends, we're going to do a little something fun here. You see, a while ago I said to myself, Self, you're planning out these... Podcast, You've got the cruiserweight-ish classic. You've got Battle of the Brandon. You need something else. You need something else. You got this hole there right around that old spooky season. Why not watch every match from Halloween Havoc? Not the NXT version. The NWA slash WCW version. And so for the past week or so, I went ahead and watched 107 Halloween Havoc matches. Starting in 1989 all the way through 2000, I took 83, actually make that 84, pages of notes in an actual notebook. Got it right here. And what we're going to start today will hopefully get us, hopefully we'll finish in time For the end of Halloween, we are going to rank and make a list of these matches. Now, I have a couple of choices here. Uh, One of these choices will make life decidedly easier. Um, One of them will not. There's a thing that goes on now on podcasts and web series called a tier list where they take video games, movies, what have you, and they put it in a tier list, A, B, C, D, E. For some reason, S is the best. Um, I've heard it on Distractible. I've seen it in other places. I could make a tier list, which would be decidedly easier. Because I've kind of already done that. Because after watching each of these 107 matches, um, I gave it kind of a one- or two-word ranking. So I could make a tier list, and I might wind up making a tier list at some point because, let's face it, it's WCW, gang. Not all these matches are winners. Um, I feel like we need to have a worst of the worst, and that needs to be an actual ranked list. And the best of the best needs to be a ranked list. Other things may go in. We'll see, because the, 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 the harder thing... And perhaps the more DC Matthews thing would be to actually make a list and try to decide which one goes where. So perhaps that's what we'll do. I'm gonna take a bite of this chocolate marshmallow pumpkin, Russell Stover's. It's not the caramel kind, the caramel marshmallow, that is ideal, ideally and objectively better, but it's still pretty good. I got my vitamin water here, gotta have your water. And I even pulled out the Death of WCW book. I went through and kind of dog-eared some pages that reference Halloween Havoc. It doesn't have a ton of information. So let's let's get going because we got a lot to do. I've got the evening to myself. My beautiful wife is out with some coworker friends, which she is very excited about. I'm alone in this apartment for the first time in a very long time. And what do I want to do? Podcast, of course. So, what I've done is I've taken uh, the numbers one through 107, put them in a Google spreadsheet, redacted it, randomized it, but I'm going to randomize it again because we're not going in order. No, no. That would be silly. We have to let fate play a hand. So, randomize once, randomize twice, randomize three times. That means it's been randomized six times. I'll call out a number. Find that corresponding match. Let me finish chewing. We put the pumpkins in the freezer. Or the fridge. I can't remember where I got this one. But either way, it was cold, which made it harder to chew. I need some water. Gotta have your water. All right. The spreadsheet is up. My phone is on in case my wife needs me. In case the car breaks down or something. Uh, the notebook is here. The numbers are chronological. The random order will not be. I'm ready. I hope you are ready. Let's see what the hell this is going to be. Number 89 is up first. What is 89? Let's flip around and find out. We turn to 1999. This is an interesting one to start off with. Uh, We turn to 1999. uh, Halloween Havoc, match number three of that card, Perry Saturn versus Eddie Guerrero. I'm not going to provide a ton of uh, historical context, at least in terms of the storylines. Wasn't really paying attention. Didn't watch the interviews leading up to it. Was just focused on the matches themselves. But it is worth noting, and I'll note things that are worth noting. It is worth noting that this is the... We are now three months before uh, Eddie and Perry and Chris and Dean jump to the WWF. I believe they show up in January of 2000. Um, So this is right before. So... You could you could make an argument that neither of these guys are really putting forth 100% in this matchup. I took notes. I'm not going to read. Oh, no. I got chocolate on my notepad. That bothers me. Oh, well. Mostly gone. Uh, I'm not going to read the notes. The notes will be more for uh, referencing things as I'm comparing and contrasting when we make the actual list. Um, it is worth noting that for some reason Eddie Guerrero had Ric Flair's watch. Uh, The match was good until the end when, of course, Ric Flair comes out with a crowbar and hits Eddie and then the match is over. And I think this is a telling description. Here, again, it's a couple of months before they jump ship. I'm assuming they're already thinking about it. For all I know, they have, um, you know, feelers out to the WWF. A very good match, even when they're... Only half-assing it, both of these guys are good. Uh, And then an old guy comes in with a crowbar and ruins it. It was really telling. It was a good match right up until then, though. So right now, much the same way as when we did The List, Chavo Guerrero was our first best wrestler. Saturn and Eddie Guerrero currently is the best match in Halloween Havoc history, according to me, one match down. Our next match is number 84. We're not going back that far. We're going to 98, and we're going to Bret Hart versus Sting. On paper, this should be a fantastic matchup. This is the type of match that should main event multiple pay-per-views. And if you've watched the 1998 Halloween Havoc, Um, I recommend going back and watching all of them. There are some good matches. There are a lot of stinkers. There are a lot of things that are even worse than stinkers. There's a lot of stuff that's in the middle. Let me go turn my fan on. I've turned my fan on! So, uh, this match I wrote sad. You've got Wolfpack Sting with facial hair. Not a good look. Brett is you know, a year or so out from WWF, it's a few months before Owen died, uh, he's not, you know, it, he's, he's a, he's a beaten man at this point, he's not broken yet, but he's a beaten man, um, it should have been better than it was, it just made me sad, uh, so again, I'm not going to read all of the notes, but, uh, It is worth one, you know, Sting still wrestling. It's 2022 and Sting is still wrestling. Uh, Bret Hart, I'm assuming, was older. I'm not going to look that up, but I'm assuming Bret Hart was older than Sting. Bret Hart had been wrestling longer than Sting. If it hadn't been for injury, would Bret Hart still be wrestling in 2022? It's very hard for me to answer that question because I've only known Bitter Bret for the last few decades. Um, <clears throat> maybe he's at peace now. And that's great. I hope he is. But yeah. I'd like to think he'd be wrestling still. Maybe again. in maybe he's in AEW. You know kind of doing the same thing. Kind of like what Sting is doing. I, I don't know. I honestly don't have a clue. Uh, what he'd be doing. Had he not gotten injured. And you know lost so much. Uh, that'll have to be currently uh, in second place. It's going to quickly get replaced, though, because, again, it was a disappointing match. Not the worst match on that show, but a disappointing match. Next up, two. Oh, my goodness. We're going almost all the way to the beginning. The second match of the uh, Halloween Havoc History 1989. This was a fun one. The Midnight Express, teaming with Dr. Death, Steve Williams to take on the Samoan SWAT team. Fatu, Samu, uh, and the Samoan Savage, who is Tama. When I started watching wrestling in 93, 92, 93, the Head Shrinkers were a new team, so I assumed they were new. I didn't know they had been wrestling for so long. Um, this was a good one. This was a good one. The Midnights and... Um, Steve Williams were the baby faces because the, you know, this was still in an era when Samoans were, uh, almost exclusively the heels. They were kind of in that savages sort of thing, similar to what the head shrinkers were and the wild Samoans. Um, watching Jim Cornette play for cheers is weird to see. Um, again, I'm, I'm not going to read all of this. I'm not going to read all of this. Uh, But this was good. It was long. You know, a lot of these early tag matches, the babyface gets beat up for a really long time. We watched Bobby Eaton kind of in a new role as um, the babyface. Usually he's one of the heels beating up uh, Ricky Morton. But it was long. That was the one thing I will say. My modern-day... Uh, attention span had a hard time with this. However, the match was good. Um, it ended fine. There was you know, the Samoan Savage pushes uh, Stan Lane into Jim Cornette, so there's a you know a thing, and then he gets pinned. The heels won. Interestingly enough, it's the second match of the uh, of the evening. I'll say that's the best match so far. Saturn versus Eddie Guerrero was good, but it ended crappily. This match was good. Long, but that's the only thing you can say about this negatively is that I thought it was a little long. So, right now, that's what's going to win Midnights and the Samoan SWAT team. Should I put the years on this? I guess I should put the years on here somewhere. All right, we're three matches in, we only have a hundred or so to go. Let's keep it moving. 82 back to the late 90s, not 82. Uh, the Battle of the Steiner Brothers. Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner. So to set the scene. This does require a little bit of uh, setting of the scene. The match previously to this is a tag team match. Scott Steiner teaming up with the Giant, whose gimmick is that he smokes cigarettes. Um, taking on Buff Bagwell and Rick Steiner. And the rule is, if Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell win... Then Rick Steiner gets to fight his brother. Well, obviously, you can guess what's going to happen, even if you don't know the story. Buff Bagwell's going to turn on Rick Steiner, join, you know, whether it's rejoin the NWO or join the NWO, I don't remember. Um, Rick's going to have to take on the heels by himself. And yet, because the giant, this is the smoking giant who sucks at everything, he messes up. He hits Scott Steiner, allowing Rick Steiner to get the win, I think. Rick Steiner hits the top rope bulldog on the giant, which was a cool way to end. But that, I'm actually telling you, why well, should I include these both? No, they're not going to be the same. I gave you way too much detail on uh, a match that we're not actually talking about. We're talking about the match. Rick Steiner wins, so he's allowed to take on Scott Steiner. That's the match we're supposed to be talking about. Um, the story is good. And maybe you should, maybe we should count these both together if only to save time maybe we should count these both together because it's one story well no it's one story but two matches and i have already said i'm caring about the matches so we'll call it separate uh the match is good but it's short because this is part two um buff bagwell has now dressed up as bill clinton trying again to help out um but Rick Steiner wins. Rick Steiner wins the day here. Another top rope bulldog. I don't know why in this matchup there would be pins. You would think that Rick Steiner wouldn't care that much about, you know, pinning. He's out for revenge here. Um, it's not going to be the worst, obviously. It's not going to be the best. The question is is that match better than Saturn versus Eddie Guerrero? um now is where I go and actually look to the um look to the notes it was not it might be better it might be better you know Scott Steiner can't do a Frankensteiner anymore he's too buff um, he's got to go up to the top rope to do it but there were some nice moments I think what I'm trying to say and this would be a controversial point Take to some people if they were listening, but I don't think they do anymore. Um, This is not '80s to early '90s Steiners. They were better wrestlers. Were they better than Saturn and Eddie Guerrero? I would say they were better than Saturn and on par with Eddie Guerrero, if only if in a different way. But this is you know Big Papa Pump and almost dogface grump dfg steiner so i'm gonna say that uh, saturn and eddie was better there was a nice rolling leg lock there were some nice moments again we can talk about later i don't want to just read all the notes uh but i'm gonna say that that one that was better so right now we've got the midnights six-man tag first then saturn versus eddie guerrero then rick versus steiner versus scott steiner And then Bret Hart versus Sting. I feel good about that ranking. We're four down. Let's continue. 42. Good. Let's get to kind of early to mid-90s here. 42. Flipping, flipping, flipping. 42. 94. We are in 1994. Second match on the card. Pretty wonderful versus Stars and Stripes. Marcus Bagwell taking part in another matchup here i pretty wonderful. Pretty wonderful is an underrated team, I think. Um, you know, Paul Roma's not great. Good athlete, not good wrestler. And his mouth, He's now qualifies, I think, for the dink rule just because he his mouth has gotten him. He keeps talking. I think if he were a little more appreciative of his time and a little more grateful that he got to be a horseman instead of feeling, you know, well, of course I'm going to be a horseman. I'm amazing. Um, this is to note the second Halloween havoc in a row where Marcus Bagwell was a tag champion. He was the champions with, uh, stars and stripes the year before he was champions with another person. We'll talk about that match. Uh, fun fact, he loses both uh, pretty wonderful wins. This match, it's, it's not bad. Bagwell's no Ricky Morton. Watching him get beat up a lot doesn't do anything for me. He's better as a heel. Um, and I don't think I have to say a whole lot here because for me, this is easy. It's better than Bret Hart versus Sting, and that's it. It's not better versus, than any of the other matches so far, so it slots in at the fourth spot on our list. Pretty wonderful versus Stars and Stripes. Number seven, I'm trying to put check marks next to these. I may have forgotten to do some, and that's okay. Back to 1989, uh, the penultimate match of 1989, another tag team match. This time it is the Skyscrapers versus the Road Warriors. Uh, This is the Spivey and Sid version of the Skyscrapers. No mean mark, unfortunately. They are managed by Teddy Long. Teddy Long has a giant key. This is the era in which all managers, especially heel ones, needed props. Cornette had the tennis racket. Heyman had the cell phone. Um, Jimmy Hart had the megaphone. Slick, I think, had a cane. Mr. Fuji probably had a cane. Uh, Freddie Blassie had a cane. Bobby Heenan didn't need props. And maybe that's why he was so good. He didn't have a a shtick. Teddy Long had a giant key. I don't know what it was for, but he was walking around with a giant key. Um, You know, they called the skyscrapers the team of the 90s, which I thought was funny. Um, It's not bad. This is very early Sid. The crowd hadn't fallen in love with Sid yet. I'm always amazed in a lot of these... 90s matches, how over Sid was. The crowd wanted to love him so badly. He's huge. He's muscular. He's got good psychology. This has not hit that yet. Um, It's not bad. The key, of course, comes into play. There's a disqualification. The Road Warriors win. Uh, I wrote fine for this, and I'm pretty sure I wrote fine for Pretty Wonderful and Stars and Stripes as well. Uh, What I'll do here, though, is... Because I like the wrestlers more, and I think that's going to come into play in a lot of this, I'm giving this one the edge over um, the other tag match we just talked about, Pretty Wonderful in Stars and Stripes. Uh, I do think this one was better, so it is coming in at now. It is the number four. I just wrote, put some numbers down so I can remember. It is now the number four match. I still say Steiner versus Steiner was better. Next up, 100. Goodness, almost near the end, 100. We're jumping around decades here, which is exactly what I wanted. Oh, (laughs) Um, match number 100 on this list is possibly no, no. It is the worst match in Halloween Havoc history. It's not going to be the lowest ranked, and we'll talk about why that is when we get to it. But please understand when I tell you this is the worst match in Halloween Havoc history. And of course, Jeremy, if you're listening, it features one of the worst wrestlers in history, Mr. Shane Douglas. This is a mixed tag team match, Shane Douglas teaming with Tori Wilson, who for some reason is dressed like Wonder Woman, I assume because it's Halloween, uh, taking on Conan and Tigress of the Filthy Animals. My God, this match is bad. And I'm actually going to read my notes on this one because it was so bad. It needs we need to talk about it in all of its detail. Um, at one point, Conan and Tigris go for double basement drop kicks through the ropes to the heels who are at ringside. Tigris misses completely. I think the idea is that the heels are supposed to kind of walk into it. You like step into it. You get hit. You fall backwards. Tori didn't get the memo. Tigris doesn't come within three feet of Tori Wilson. Conan almost misses. Uh, This is a mixed tag team match, but apparently in 2000 WCW rules, uh, they can wrestle each other. So at one point, Shane's wrestling Tigress. They're doing arm locks. She's biting him. At one point, um, Conan's wrestling Tori. You know, this is the era in which if we go to the death of WCW, I don't believe they mention this match at all, uh, but they do talk about how in October... There's already rumors and speculations that they're going to get bought out. And this is the first time, and around this time, is the first time when the idea that Vince McMahon might buy WCW comes out. Uh, but Shane, at one point, puts uh, the worst cross chicken wing I've ever seen, ever in my life, on somebody. It's Tigris, so maybe that was why, but it just... There was a lot of standing and awkward moves. The worst part, the worst part is that Tory Wilson at one point hits Conan with whatever Shane's finisher was, which was some sort of, like, setup for, like, an, uh, a rock bottom, but then you just drop, and it's like a jawbreaker, which I guess is an okay move. Um, but Conan literally is just standing there and kind of puts himself in it. He, like, leans for. He obviously is, like... Putting himself in position for moves, and I get that wrestlers do that, but it was it was painful, 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 painful. I was looking, I would go to cage match. I wanted to be surprised by the matches, so I did. I did go to cage match to look at the card, but I would only reveal each match at a time. This match has a one out of ten rating. It's so bad. Um, yeah. Uh, they hit a double face buster on, I want to say it's Shane Douglas, but it could be Tori. I don't care. Uh, and the word I wrote was embarrassing. It was, an em- I would have, I hope that all four of them were embarrassed to go back to the locker room after putting on that match. It made that match with Jackie Gaeta and Trish Stratus, if that's the one I'm thinking of. The, the the one i usually consider to be the worst mixed tag match if not worst match it made it look good by comparison this was awful it is in bottom it's number 7 out of 7 right now but again it's there'll be more matches that are worse and we'll talk about why that is when we get there there are two matches i did not finish and those would have to be at the bottom and again when we get to them we'll talk about why number 21 Let's go back again, back again, back again. We are in 1991, (laughs) and this is a match that is probably in the top, no, the bottom five of worst matches in Halloween Havoc history. We're in 1991. Every so often at this pay-per-view, you would get a squash match. I don't know if they were trying to, you know, and, and we've seen this in modern day. Braun Strowman takes on two or three jobbers in a squash match at a pay-per-view. You're telling stories, it's a 12 month business. Van Hammer taking on Doug Summers. Now, Doug Summers of AWA fame is a is is a legitimate wrestler. Teamed with Playboy Buddy Rose, fe- uh, feuded with the Midnight Rockers. He is a glorified um, you know jobber here. No, he's not even glorified. He's a jobber here, just happens to be wrestling on this show. Uh, taking on Van Hammer, who comes out with a guitar that he doesn't even bother playing. There are also people with jackhammers as part of his entrance, like construction workers with jackhammers. I guess that was part of Van Hammer's schtick. Um I would love to say you know, that this was kind of trying to build up like a Goldberg style win streak. Van Hammer almost hurt Doug Summers on a couple of occasions. It was really terrible, but not as bad as Shane Douglas's match. Not as bad as Shane Douglas. It'll be seventh out of eight. It was pretty bad. 41. Jumping ahead here. Oh, I opened right to it. Back to 1994, the match that opens our show You know, I forget that when Hulk Hogan, I almost called him Hollywood Hogan, but when Hulk Hogan comes to WCW, all of a sudden he brings half of 80s WWF with him. Because the opening match is the Honky Tonk Man in 94, the Honky Tonk Man taking on Johnny B-Bad. And the worst part about it, it's not a bad match. It's not a bad match. It's not great, but it's not bad. You know, this is uh, Johnny B. Bad's second, I want to say, Halloween Havoc match. The first one. Oh, he's green. Oh, oh, he's Mui Verde, friends. He is Mui Mui Verde. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a bad match. Uh It's a TV title match, so obviously the time limit's going to play a factor. That was kind of the gimmick. Um, Funny enough, even though it was on pay-per-view, it still counted as that. Uh, But it wasn't a bad match. Honky Tonk Man did his job and was a decent wrestler. And that's the word I wrote down. I wrote down decent. And decent is actually better in my world than fine. So technically, this match should be fourth. I should actually put this match above skyscrapers versus road warriors because technically technically uh that's that's kind of how i call it uh i said the skyscrapers versus road warriors was fine this match was decent in hindsight do i want to do that no but you know what i'm gonna stick to how i did this and i'm gonna do it 1994 honky tonk man versus johnny be bad that is currently, luckily we're only nine matches in, currently that is the fourth best match in Halloween Havoc history. Our tenth match, number 98. Again, scrolling through. <laughs> that 2000 Halloween Havoc. I have to remember to say this to uh to Glenn I know he and Brent over there on the piece of business podcast wanted to review a Halloween havoc if they haven't picked one yet this might be the one that 2000 oh I watched it today it it hurt physically hurt to watch it I didn't want to but I had to for this podcast the wall versus Reno I like the wall I like the wall. I didn't like Sergeant Awall. I thought that was kind of dumb. But I like the wall. As a you know, as hardcore matches wrestler type guys go, he's a hardcore hoss. You don't get a lot of hardcore hosses. Um, he's good. Why is Reno wearing a sumo outfit? Doesn't it look like he's wearing these like bicolored shorts? You know, they're like cargo shorts, they're white legs, but a red uh, you know, crotchel area and waist and, and glutes. It looks like he's wearing some sort of weird sumo shorts. Uh, Reno's not good. Reno is not good. Um, there were a lot of weapons and not a lot of fun. And that is the worst kind of hardcore match. You want a hardcore match to be fun and silly with cool spots and, you know, tables and all of that. Uh, he puts a trash can on Reno's head and kicks way higher than Reno's head. I guess that was kind of cool. There was a ta- stacked table spot that I guess was kind of cool, even though the bottom table had holes for the legs of the top table to go in, which th- I thought was weird. Um, did I like it more than I liked Bret Hart versus Sting? <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. The problem is that Bret Hart versus Sting should have been so much better. And expectation plays a part in this. If you expect a good match and are disappointed, that's bad. If you don't expect much and the match is okay to decent, that's good. Now, I expected this match, the wall versus Reno, to be okay, and it was slightly less than okay which is still better than expecting heart versus sting to be good and it was bad. That's still a bigger drop. So I'm going to put it it's now currently number 7 out of 10, 2000 The Wall versus Reno. We're 10 down. Now there's 100 and what? 4 I said? No, 107. Goodness. So we're around the 10% mark, which feels pretty good for half an hour in. If I was doing this for the entire month of October, I'd end this episode right here. Thank you very much. Remind you that I hope you're well and hope those you love are doing well. But we got three episodes to get this done. This is going to be a long one. Buckle in, folks. I'm not going anywhere, and neither are you. Match number 11 is the 10th one. Funny how that works. Let's flip. Let's flip. Let's flip. Let's flip. Number 10. 1990 This is one of the two matches that I did not finish. The Renegade Warriors versus the Freebirds. In 1990, I'm sure this was fine. You have the young bloods who have been repackaged as um, stereotypical Indian characters. They've got they're doing a dance, they're doing the whoop whoop which is offensive even for me to say it, taking on the Freebirds who are, maybe they're not necessarily, oh no, this is, they're not doing the Confederate shtick, and thank God for that, but they are doing, they've got paint, their hair's dyed, and it was, no, it, it, it hurt to watch on an, I'm offended by this. And again, there's only two of those matches where this took place. This is unfortunately one of them. I can't uh, put it above Shane Douglas's crappy tag team match because I didn't even finish this one. Um, Renegade Warriors versus Freebirds. It's got to go last. It's got to go last because I did the one of two matches again. I did not watch because I was offended just looking at it. So I skipped it. We'll see if when I get to that other one. 72. Moving on. 72, 72. Where do we go for 72? What year is this? 97? I used to write it down so I could remember. This is 97. Scott Hall versus Lex Luger. Larry Zabisco is the referee. I vividly remember Larry Zabisco versus Scott Hall where Bret Hart is the referee. I want to say that's either Starcade 90. I think it's Starcade 97. I think that's like the Sting Hogan Starcade. This is earlier than that, obviously. We're a month before Brett uh, leaves. And it's Scott Hall versus Lex Luger. Uh, The feud between Larry Zabisco and Scott Hall is going on. Um, The story. Ah, okay. I'm reading my notes here. Um, it's not good. The match is not good. The story is good. The story that they are telling with Larry Zbysko and Scott Hall is fine. Lex Luger doesn't need to be a part of it. And that's going to be one of the themes of this entire series. Lex Luger doesn't need to be a part of this. I don't like Lex Luger. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah, probably. The Lex Express thing was cool. That was kind of a fun moment, not that it went anywhere, and yes, he shows up at the 95 Nitro, and yes, he beats Hogan and wins the title, and yes, he may or may not have had something to do with Elizabeth's death, but the point I'm making is, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but I don't have to like him. The story is good, the match is not, which is an interesting thing to put into this because Again, I'm focusing on the match. So if I'm focusing on the match, there's a point where there's a sleeper hold that Scott Hall has on Lex Luger, and he's barely at his pecs. There's just, like, Luger pulls the arm down away from his neck, and it's the one of the worst sleeper holds I've ever seen. Uh, the ending is fun. You know, uh, Six is out there. Eric Bischoff comes out there. There's a distraction. They hit... Uh, Luger Scott Hall picks up the win Larry Zbysko doing something that all referees should do insists on watching the replay restarts the match Scott Hall shoves him he shoves Scott Hall into the torture rack Zbysko calls for the bell again fun way to end fun way to end you expect it to be the traditional cheating and the heels win and then they twist it and that made for something enjoyable but the match itself was pretty bad. Having said that, I'm going to put it, again, number seven seems to be where a lot of these things go. I'm going to put it at number seven. It's not as good as the fine matches like Pretty Wonderful versus Stars and Stripes or the Skyscrapers versus the Road Warriors. But it is better than all of the other matches. So I'm, I'm good. I'm comfortable with that. Next up, number 67. We're not going far here. We're still in 97. Um, This is the second match of the card. Chris Jericho, kind of a weird match, just in terms of booking. Chris Jericho versus Gato. Gato, now a big deal in New Japan. I don't know if he's on excursion with WCW. I don't know what the deal is. Um, He's very chubby. He's much puffier. Than he is now, um, but taking on Chris Jericho, I'm watching these things on Peacock, and it's funny to me that they replace his music with "Break the Walls Down." So here he is in WCW coming out to a WWF slash E theme song, which I find interesting. I don't like Chris Jericho. I don't. There's one version of Chris. Jer- no, no, no. Let me rephrase. There are two versions of Chris Jericho. Um, that I like. I like heel Chris Jericho in WCW with Ralphus and I like you just made the list, Chris Jericho, because it's the list, the list, what, what, the list. I don't like this guy. He's boring. He doesn't do anything. Um, yeah, you know, he hits a double powerbomb. That was cool. A nice power move from a cruiserweight. You don't see that that often. I like that they're talking about the Super J Cup in WCW. I thought that was cool, but that's not part of the match. Um, At one point, you know, he goes up for a top rope Frankensteiner and really just power bombs himself, kind of lands almost like high up on his shoulders. And yet he's the one that gets up and tries to go for the pin. You know, you would hope they would be able to kind of adapt to that. Uh, He puts him in the lion tamer. I call it the walls of Jericho. It's fine. I put awkwardly decent. Um, I don't want to put it. I'm going to break up this tag team thing here. That's what I'm going to do. I've got these two tag matches here. Skyscrapers, Road Warriors, and then Pretty Wonderful. We'll break it up. We're going to put Chris Jericho versus Gato at number six. Um, And break up those two tag matches. Because why not? It's my thing. All right. 13 down. Next up, number 50. We're going to 1995. Oh, God. We're going to 1995 and a bad match. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage taking on the Zodiac. Now, to give you a little bit of story context, Randy Savage and Lex Luger, back in 95, are wrestling matches against Dungeon of Doom members. And if they both win, they can wrestle each other later in the show. Uh, There's a storyline here that's happening. We'll get to that. Gotta have some water. Water, water. Don't know what I'm going to do if I run out of water and want to keep podcasting. This may be a time where I just wander over to the kitchen and you just sit here. Because I don't really want to stop recording that's a lot of work. Uh, You know, the year before this is when, um, spoilers, uh, Beefcake turns on Hogan a year before this, supposedly according to the Death of WCW book, uh, to become a title contender to Hulk Hogan, which is hilarious to say. Um, And now he's the Zodiac, you know, making weird sounds and doing all of this stuff. Uh, The best part of this match is that a fan runs in. Randy Savage doesn't beat him up. Like you expect that if a a fan breaks that fourth wall and comes in, the wrestlers are going to be the ones. Randy just ignores him, you know, looks at him for a minute. And then just like at least hit him, trip him, kick him, do something. Um, It was the best part about this match is that it was mercifully quick. Uh, I'm going to put it at number 10. I actually enjoyed uh, The Wall versus Reno more. Uh, but it was better because it was quick. It was better than Bret Hart versus Sting. Sorry. That's going to be the theme here until we get something out that, that, that match just wasn't good. 107, the last match in... Uh, Halloween Havoc history. I forgot what we were talking about there for a second. Another mercifully quick match. The main event of of WrestleMania. (whistles) Halloween Havoc 2000. Goldberg versus Chronic in a handicap match. Sorry. Sending a text. For some reason, my phone is on, but it doesn't. Messages don't go through. All right. Goldberg versus Chronic. This match starts with only four minutes left in the pay-per-view. And it was quick. You know, they're kind of trying to build Goldberg back up to be a big deal. He's got a new streak starting after, um, I don't know what, after they kind of took the gas off of the Goldberg character. They're trying to build him back up to make him a big deal. Uh, The match is awkward at first. They're not really sure what to do, but we get the stuff we want. We get a spear through the table. Um, He's got to pin both members of Chronic, apparently. He pins Brian Clark quickly. Uh, Brian Adams hits a great full Nelson slam, one of the best full Nelson slams. Uh, But then we get the spear, the jackhammer, the pin. Quick and effective was what I wrote down. Uh, And this will go... You know, I'm going to put this rather high because it was short and it was a Goldberg match, which... You kind of like, you know, that's how to do a squash. Take notes, Van Hammer. I'm going to put it at number six. Not as good as Skyscrapers versus Road Warriors, but I think better than Chris Jericho versus Gato and better than anything else. So I'm going to put that at number six. And it's sad that that four-minute match was one of the only highlights <laughs> of that terrible, terrible Halloween Havoc. Next up, 65. We flip. We flip. We flip. We're going to the main event of 1996. Halloween Havoc 96. Hollywood Hogan versus Randy Savage. You know how I feel about Hogan. You know how I feel about late era Randy Savage. Early 80s through WrestleMania 10 with his match with Crush. Savage is great. After that, less great. Which makes me really sad to say that I enjoyed this main event match. First of all, Hogan's out with the hair. He's got like the blonde, spiky wig a little bit. He's got sunglasses that he's starting to wrestle in. There's a moment where, um, you know, Savage gets the glasses, then takes the hair piece off. Hogan sells that well. Savage puts this headpiece on himself, which was funny. Um, these two guys are. Hogan was a bad wrestler from the start. Savage was a good wrestler who was getting older, but they both know how to tell a story. You got Liz in there. Liz comes out at one point. You know Hogan's putting Liz in front, but in between him and like you know, the storytelling was good match, not necessarily good, but in this case, because the story was told during the match, I have to appreciate it and credit to them all throughout the 96, um, Halloween havoc, Nick Patrick's wrestling with a neck brace. He's in pain and you start figuring out that he is, he is NWO and he is defected and it's, you know, it becomes more and more obvious. And they finally pay off that story. Uh, they paid it off with another match. I want to say it was Six versus Chris Jericho. Uh, but then they fully pay it off here. And then afterwards, Piper returns, which isn't germane to the match itself, but a cool moment. Some terrible, terribly awesome acting by Hulk Hogan. Um, I hated that I liked it. I hated that I liked that match. Uh, it's going to go... As of right now, I can't believe I'm saying it. Number four. It was better than Honky Tonk Man versus Johnny B. Bad. It wasn't good. The quality of the match wasn't good. But from a story perspective, from a did I enjoy myself perspective, I am ashamed to say that I did. It's number four. It also, I think, goes to show us that we're 16 matches in here. Most of them aren't going to be great. Most of them are going to be average to below average because there are some better ones here. Our top four will probably not be the top four uh, for long, but we've got a long way to go. And a lot of the matches just weren't great. So number four. Next up, number five, the fifth match in Halloween Havoc history back to 1989 and this one's gonna at least this one's gonna make it into the top four Steiner Brothers versus Doom Steiner Brothers versus Doom. Um you know 80s to early 90s Steiner brothers are amazing. I did I have them win the tag team tournament I think I had them win the tag team tournament um, way back when they're a fantastic team that era all the way up through their WCW or no, the WWE slash F run into WCW where the wheels start to fall off a bit. because Scott starter starts bulking up. Great. Um, dooms wearing robes. They've got masks that have big cutouts for their nose, which is a weird look. They play it up that we don't know who these men are. Even though Butch Reed's been a thing in wrestling for many years, Ron Simmons, less so. Uh, you've got woman involved, you know, 25 year old Nancy um, coming to the ring, escorting Doom. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. We had a moment where this was the era where Jim Ross liked to talk about the athletic bona fides. I think this is a Bill Watts thing. The athletic bona fides, Scott was going go to go to be a school teacher. And and that just cracks me up. Can you imagine? I bet he taught math. I bet he taught math. Uh, But this was fun. This was a fun match to watch. Again, a lot of heels beating up one of the two brothers. I'm guessing it was Scott because he was the younger one. Uh, They have no idea, the announcers, Jim Ross and Bob Cottle, no idea what to make of the Frankensteiner. They don't call it that. I think this was just a move that he was building up. Uh, But it was good. Heels win, mask gets loaded up. Uh, at the end of each show, I did rank the matches. I put this at number two behind the Midnights and Williams versus the Samoan SWAT team. And that's exactly what I'm going to do here as well, is that this is currently my second favorite match and the second best match. Uh, interesting that the two, number one and number two right now, are from the very first Uh, Halloween Havoc. Again, I don't think it's going to stay that way, but for now, that's where it is. Number 36. Flipping, flipping, flipping. We're in 93. Our first time time in 93, and I think we're going to have a new number one. Although, interestingly enough, 93 was a sneaky good show. Interestingly enough, this may be number one. I think it's going to be, but it's the third best show match, according to my rankings, on this card. Steve Austin, Dustin Rhodes. This is the third Halloween Havoc in a row that they fight. They fight in 91 as a singles match. They're in a tag team match against each other in 92. They fight again in 93. I love that natural theme song. Um, This is good. This is a good match. Dustin Rhodes Big man, super fast. Um, You know, it's interesting to note that it's been three years. They're wrestling, I believe, for the same title they were wrestling for the first time. Maybe it went from TV title to U.S. title, but neither of these guys have become main eventers. Uh, But this match was really good. Um, And again, a match where I thought Austin won, but his feet were on the ropes and the referee saw it and made the match keep going. Uh, but then, you know, Oh no, Austin winds up cheating. Dustin wins, rolls up because Austin's complaining that the referee restarted the match. Dustin wins. Austin hits him with the belt and leaves with it. And I did make a note that it would have been great to see those two in a ladder match. Um, you know, Steve Austin, we forget, or maybe we don't forget But it's worth noting that Steve Austin, before the injuries that led to him having to wrestle the Stone Cold style, was a really great technical wrestler. And actually, that probably is the fact that he changed and became the brawler stomping mud holes in people and doing all of that is probably what made one of the reasons he became so popular. So being a good technical wrestler isn't everything, I guess. We are 18 matches in. We're almost an hour in. Let's try to get to at least 20 in an hour, so I know this is going to be a five-hour process. What's next? 15. We're sticking in the good era. The early eras were some of the good eras. 19... Oh! (laughs) Uh, 1991. Opening match. Your favorite and mine. The Chamber of Horrors. And I am referring to the book, The Death of WCW, uh, for this one. R.D. Reynolds and Brian Alvarez. And I'm actually going to read from the book verbatim. Quote, The kickoff bout was an extra special bonus attraction, an abomination known as the Chamber of Horrors. The object of this ten-man cage match was to strap your opponent into an electric chair, THE CHAIR OF TORTURE, and pull the switch. Read that sentence again. You'd think grown men hitting each other with shrunken heads would be entertaining, at least in a morbid sense, but you'd be wrong. It didn't help that the switch, excuse us, THE FATAL LEVER, kept falling down prior to the end of the match. On the plus side, the company had strapped a mobile camera to the top of the referee's head, Nick Patrick, to give fans a jerky look at what was happening inside the ring. The so-called referee, again, not making this up, was such a sensation it was never used again. I'm going to end quote here to, I'll come back to finish it, it was used again. I've seen it before. Somewhere in these notes, it was used again, if not in the 92, let me go look was it in 92 or was it just used twice in 91 either way I can recall the referee camera happening at least one more time but I'd have to, I'll have to check my notes either way back to the quote. quote the match ended with Abdullah the Butcher being electrocuted shaking into the chair and being like he had ants in his pants uh, to give you an idea of who these 10 men are the and I actually have 8 men on my list so, Death of WCW, not necessarily a super accurate book because I was watching it and I wrote down who it was. It's an eight man match El Gigante, Giant Gonzalez, the Steiner Brothers, and Sting taking on Vader, the Diamond Stud, Scott Hall, Cactus Jack, and Abdullah the Butcher. So, it's an eight man match. Um, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Vader, at one point, looks like his body hair has been singed off. I think that actually happened with his head. You know, he used to have that awesome kind of black horned uh, headpiece that he wore that shot smoke out of it. I think that actually burned him because it was singed off before the match started. Um, You know, it was silly. It was wrestle silly. And you know how I feel about Wrestle silly, and I had to note that the pyro was still better than a lot of what's done in AEW. I am going to put it at that number six spot, because sometimes you just got to watch the dumbness. Uh, at one point, Sting lifts up the coffin lid and just drops it on Cactus Jack. Uh, it was fun. It was entertaining, and I love the fact that I'm giving it one spot advantage currently, over uh, Hollywood Hogan versus Randy Savage. That just makes me happy. Next up, number 30. The number 30 match, we are in 1992. And this was an interesting match, Rick Rude versus Masahiro Chono. I am very glad that I took Masahiro Chono out of the uh, cruiserweight classic because here he is, uh, the NWA champion, I believe, at this time. Um, and he is bigger than Rick Rude. He is bulkier than Rick Rude. And Rick Rude was not a cruiserweight. So obviously, Masachono does not qualify. Uh, we've got two referees. We've got Harley Race as one referee. We've got Kensuke Sasaki as another referee. Uh, Manabu Nakanishi, aka Kurosawa, is in the crowd. As someone who has watched a little bit of New Japan, I enjoyed that. Um, you know, this is we're co- what are we? This is October '92. We're a few months before Ric Flair comes back, and the crowds are missing him. We got a "We want Flair" chant right here. Um, you know, it it's not a bad match. It was a little weird. Some of these matches kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, but it was decent. Again, it qualified it as decent. Um, You know, it was a Japanese style match, slow paced, a lot of big holds, a lot of stiff, strong moves. Um, Although when Masachono does go to put the STF on, it was explosive. He went for a Boston crab that took forever to apply. And I think they were trying to sell the psychology of getting the person over the STF happened quick though. Um, You know, we get, a, we get a double ref bump. There's two referees, so that means that obviously one's going to see one thing, one's going to see another. Shock, shock, shock. But the crowd does go crazy when Kensuke slams um, Harley Race. Sorry, blanked on the name. Uh, we're going to go with number eight here. I actually will put this below Hogan versus Savage because um, the story wasn't Quite as good to me. Uh, And the wrestling wasn't great. It was fine. It wasn't great. So I'm going to put it at number eight. Our 21st match. 85. Going way up to 85 here. Oh, (laughs) Okay. Uh, This match is marked pathetic. Because in 90... What was it? 90... Where am I? 96. We get... Uh, Hollywood Hogan versus Randy Savage. Well, now we're jumping a couple of years. Was that 97? Hold on. Checking my notes here. No. Hogan wrestled Piper in 97. Uh, in 98, we get Hogan versus The Warrior. Now, I'm not going to tell you that this match was uh, worse than Shane and Tori versus Conan and Tigris. Because it wasn't worse. It was better. God help me, it was better. But, but, this wasn't good. The word pathetic is what shows up on my on my paper. And again, I'm actually, you know what, Nope. I'm throwing the Death of WCW book. Onto the floor, somehow it landed, like, up. Like, not spine down, or like it landed up, upright. Because um, it got a couple of facts wrong, and that irritated me. You write a book, check your facts. Count the number of people in the Chamber of Horrors match. Maybe it was supposed to be ten, but it was eight. Uh, This match was terrible. Um, Yeah, this match was terrible. I don't need to talk about it, you... You've heard about it. You've seen it. The best part of that whole story was the whole thing with the mirror. Uh, Hogan tries to do a fireball. Doesn't happen. It totally messes up. Um, you have to wonder, you know, at what point, and, and, and I think this multiple times as we get towards the end of WCW, at what point do the do the announcers have to call it bad? Jim Ross... And I don't love Jim Ross, but Jim Ross, to his credit, um, would call a match bad when it was bad. They did not do that. You know, at one point in uh, the 2000 Hollywood Hogan versus Warrior, uh, at one point in the 2000 Halloween Havoc, Stevie Ray talks about how this is one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. No, it's not Stevie Ray. You're not that dumb. Don't say it like Tony Schiavone. I expect Tony Schiavone at some point decided he was going down with the ship. Um, And so there's a part of me that kind of gets that Tony Schiavone might need to, you know, keep selling it. But Stevie Ray, come on, Stevie Ray. Uh, This is 19. Hollywood Hogan versus the Warrior is ahead of Renegade Warriors versus Freebirds because it wasn't offensive culturally. It's ahead of Shane Douglas and Tory versus Conan and Tigris, which was objectively worse. Uh, but this is close. Van Hammer versus Doug Summers was a clinic compared to this match. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. 31. I want a good match. Can I get a good match, please? Can 31 be a good match, please? It's, it's okay. Okay. We're back in 92. We're back in 92, and this is the WCW uh, world title match. Now, you may know who the WCW champion was in the fall of 92. You may know that is Ron Simmons. He won the lottery. He beat Vader. He he is the champion. Um, but I bet you could not tell me, unless you happen to have been studying up on this, I bet you could not tell me who he wrestled. At the 92 Halloween Havoc. Uh, I would, if you were here with me, I would let you have five guesses. And I would still say, maybe you'd be able to figure it out by the end. If you guess Cactus Jack, you may be able to remember what actually happened. It's the Barbarian. Now, I love Sione. And I'm grateful he had a world title match. But this is clearly a, let's make Ron Simmons a big deal by feeding him big monsters that he can beat. Um, and this was a demolition derby. You know, we saw some scenes where Cactus Jack is training the barbarian. Those were fun. Um, you know, Teddy Long's doing backstage interviews, but also accompanying Ron Simmons to ringside. Uh, and it was a hoss fight, you know. Uh, no, Not a lot of finesse. Um at one point, a Cobra Clutch was used, and somebody called it a Shinanomaki, which I believe is the technical term. Which JR and Ventura had a lot of fun talking about. Um, you know, Ron Simmons is good. I love some Ron Simmons. Barbarian for a big guy using the top rope as much as he did—that was fun. I uh, I called it a Demolition Derby, which might be one of the only times I used that particular phrase in this quest. Uh, Was it good? No. Was it okay to decent? Yeah. Uh, Did I enjoy it more than I enjoyed Rick Rude versus Massachona? Well, they happened consecutively. Let me check my rankings here. Um, No. I said I liked Rude versus Chono more. So this was the fifth of seven matches. Uh, So I will put it... Well, that changes things, because Goldberg versus Chronic, which is currently at number 11, was good and quick. So I will put it at number 13. I'll go ahead and say that it was better than Pretty Wonderful versus Stars and Stripes, but not as good. As Chris Jericho versus Gato, which is probably uh, the right place to put it. Even if I don't like Chris Jericho all that much, that is probably the right place to put it. 104. Oh, God. Back to 2000. Heaven help me. 104. Oh, this is sad because it involves one of my favorites. Uh Handicap match for the U.S. title, which is the Canadian title. So now you have an idea of at least one participant. Uh, Lance Storm teaming with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, taking on General Rection. Um, The title is on the line. And if uh, General Rection wins, Major Guns gets to return to the USA and the Misfits in action. Um, You know, Bill DeMott. One could look at the facts and argue whether or not he qualifies for the bad guy rule. Um, that's not going to uh, play a huge role in in this uh, for me. Lance Storm, you hope for better from Lance Storm and his beautiful super kick. Uh, it's not bad. It was decent enough, I say. Um, you know, General Erection wins. They're obviously trying to build him up as a big deal, despite the name the fact that his name is General Huge Erection, um, And Tony Schiavone lets out this guttural yell, this barbaric yawp that was quite frankly creepy and scary all at the same time. Um, I will put it above the wall versus Reno. I think that's fair. Yeah. Above the wall versus Reno... But not as good as Scott Hall versus Lex Luger. Lance Storm, Duggan versus General Rection. I hate that I have to type that. Uh, So that is currently the 16th best match of all time. Which, you know, is what it is. What's next? 17. Man, we're flipping, flipping, flipping. I'm glad I numbered the matches. That was a smart thing that past me did. All right. Back to 91, Bobby Eaton versus Terrence Taylor. Terrence Taylor, part of the York Foundation. So we get some Terry Runnels, you know, Marlena before she becomes Marlena. She's Alexandra York. She's out there with the glasses and a hilariously big laptop computer. Um, Bobby Eaton, kind of a rare time as a single star. It was fun to watch this match. Again, little long, as a lot of those early matches were, little long. But enjoyable. Solid. This is probably the Horner line of matches. Two solid hands. Bobby Eaton, all-time tag wrestler. This was a solid match. And I think what I'm going to do is I am going to make a line of demarcation at number seven right now. I'm going to put this match above... Nope, I'm changing my mind. Number eight. I'm going to call this match at number... Nope. Nope, because I think I actually enjoyed Honky Tonk Man. Now, I'm going to make a line of demarcation at number 10. And I'm going to put this one here kind of as the Horner line. Uh, Johnny D. Bad versus Honky Tonk Man was good. And decent, I thought. This match was solid. I would say a decent match is better than a solid match. Uh, This match was fine. It was solid. I'm going to rank it at number 10. And that may be a match that I go back to and say, was it as solid as Eaton versus Taylor? Are we heading towards Honky Tonk Man versus Johnny B. Bad, Or are we kind of heading towards uh, Skyscrapers versus Road Warriors? I already can feel people seething that I'm putting... Because this is two or three spots above... Chris Jericho versus Gato. I just don't like Jericho, man. I just don't. And Doc's not here to argue for him, so it's just me. All right. Next up, eleven. Put a check mark here. Let's go to master number eleven. Oh, good. I get to talk about something here. So, um, obviously Peacock and WWE Network only had the nineteen ninety. Um, videotape of Halloween Havoc. Because there are some matches that took place at the pay-per-view that aren't on Peacock. And I looked online, couldn't find them. So I'm, I hate to feel like some of these matches have been lost to time. Uh, but let's just mention what they are right now. Uh, the Master Blasters versus the Southern Boys was a match that took place on the pay-per-view, didn't make it onto the videotape, so it's not on Peacock. Uh, Brad Armstrong versus J.W. Storm, Wild Bill Irwin versus Terry Taylor, and Junkyard Dog versus Rex King, I believe, were four matches from the 1990 Halloween Havoc uh, that didn't make it on Peacock, so I can't rank them, so we're just not going to talk about them. We will talk about this uh, match number 11 here, another Steiner's match, so I'm a fan of it, and this is actually the best match. From uh, Halloween Havoc 1990, which isn't saying a lot (laughs) because the matches weren't great. Uh, The Nasty Boys versus the Steiner Brothers for the U.S. tag team titles, which is hilarious on a couple of different levels. Number one, it is hilarious as a modern wrestling fan to think that there could be a world in which a single promotion had two tag team belts. We got Ron Smackdown, but. Imagine, well, here's our main tag team titles, and here's our other secondary tag team titles. And then it's also hilarious to me to think of either of these teams as secondary tag title people. Um, You know, the Nasty Boys, I believe, are fresh from AWA. They both look good. They're in good shape. Jerry Sags especially. Um, Interesting note here. Jerry Sags, the first person to bleed on a Halloween Havoc as far as I can remember, unless somebody did in one of those matches not on Peacock. Um, They went into the concession stands, although that was after the match. The Nasty Boys beat up um, Scott Steiner afterwards, Sags dressed as a concessions worker. But it was a good match. I I didn't write a lot of notes uh, about this match, but I said it was good, and I remember it being good, and it was the number one match. So I'm going to put it... What did I note for Steiner's versus Doom? Good, not great. And this is good. That was... Really interesting. I'm going to put it at number three currently. Um, You know, I always could default to cage match and, uh, you know, see what they ranked it, but that... I, I don't trust other people. I don't trust other people. I'm gonna put it at number three. Nasty boys versus Steiners. I do recall it being better than the Steiner Brothers versus Doom. Yeah, sure. I'll stick with that. All right, number three, Steiner Brothers in two of the top four matches so far in my rankings. We're 25 in, folks. We're 25 in. Number 27. Uh, 27 is from 1992, Number the second match on the card. On paper, this match looks like it should be amazing, which, again, will come back to bite us if the match isn't amazing. Brian Pillman, Ricky Steamboat. On paper, that match should be great. You've got Brian Pillman just starting his heel work. He's been flying Brian the Babyface for a while. Now he's a heel. Ricky Steamboat being Ricky Steamboat. Um, Both very, very good. I I rejoiced in seeing superfan Vladimir in the audience. If you know, you know who Vladimir is. He was in the crowd for this match. Uh, It was too short. A lot of matches are too long. This match was too short. Steamboat wins with a... Uh, sunset flip. We got a little bit of the, what we all now know is kind of the RVD Jerry Lynn pin combo trading back and forth. Um, but Ricky Steamboat won. It was too short. It should have been better than it was. However, it's obviously going to be better than Bobby Eaton versus Terrence Taylor. It was My note was good should have been better, which you could also say about Um, You know, Saturn versus Eddie Guerrero as well. Good, should have been better. Is that the note I wrote for that one? Good until the end. So actually, in this one, this was good, should have been better. So I'm going to put it below Saturn versus Eddie Guerrero. We'll put it one spot below at number six. 1992, Brian Pillman versus Ricky Steamboat. If they had had 10 more minutes to tell a story, it would have been way, way better. All right. What's next? 22. We're staying close. We're going to 91 here. 22. Back-to-back, Brian Pillman matches. He's now babyface flying Brian, taking on Richard Morton. Aha! Aha! That book is wrong again. Because here it says, referee is back. Oh, no. They didn't use it in any other uh, probably pay-per-views after, but they did use it for one other match, Brian Pillman versus Richard Morton. I'm mad at how, like, I was excited watching these end, you know, 98, 99, 2000. I'm looking forward to reading the Death of WCW book to kind of get some more details on how things were terrible at the end. Now I don't know that I want it. I don't think I'm going to throw it away, but I might donate it because factually inaccurate. I'll have to see. I have heard there's probably better WCW books out there. I may have to find one because I am disappointed in what uh, I have learned about that book today. Uh, Brian Pillman versus Richard Morton. Um, You know, Morton doesn't look like. The heel member. His hair's not slicked back. He looks like he's slowly becoming a Rock and Roll Express member again, and that actually winds up happening. The The York Foundation ends soon after Halloween Havoc 91. Um, it's good. You know, both guys are really good. The match was fine. Nothing super exciting about it. The match was fine. Uh, how did I rank it compared to. Eaton versus Taylor, I rank this number four, I put the Chamber of Horrors match and Eaton versus Taylor over it, so I'm going to reflect that in here, I am going to put it at, I'll put it at 16, I'll say it was better, nope, I'm not, I'm going to put it at 17, I'm going to say Ron Simmons versus the Barbarian, oops, that's not what I wanted. Was better because it was a demolition derby and those matches are fun. Brian Pillman versus Richard Morton. Uh, but it was better than Pretty Wonderful versus Stars and Stripes. And that's, I don't like the Patriot. I don't really like Paul. It's really, my love for Paul Orndorff obviously has its limits. What can I say? Next up, 105. Back to 2000. Back to the horror of 2000. 2000. Uh, This match is just confusing. Jeff Jarrett versus Sting. On paper, it should be a decent match. I like Sting. Uh, Jeff Jarrett is tolerable in small doses. Um, It should be a good match. But the story isn't about the match. This is the match in which Stings from various parts of his career show up, including Wildcat Chris Harris dressed as Crow Sting, pulling him under the ring. Um, That was all it was. That was all it was, was him, you know, uh, Surfer Sting shows up, later Surfer Sting shows up, Wolfpack shows up, Crow shows up, another Crow shows up. So the match actually didn't really matter. Jeff Jarrett versus Sting, we didn't even really care about it because all it was, we spent more time watching Sting beat up other Stings. Uh, And Barry Windham wasn't one of them, which is a shame because of the story that we'll get to when we get to that match. Um Yeah, the whole card was painful. Uh, The one part of this, he does do a scorpion death drop on one sting through a table. That was kind of the nicest moment. Otherwise, this match was pointless. I don't know why it existed. Uh, So we are going to put it... We will put it above Zodiac versus Randy Savage because... Let me make sure my notes are right here. Yep. We are going to put it above Zodiac versus Randy Savage because the different stings was at least somewhat interesting, but we're going to put it below the wall versus Reno, and that is exactly how it looks on my list of the 2000 uh, Halloween Havoc. Interestingly enough, at this moment, uh, spots 20 through 22 all belong to the 2000 pay-per-view. Storm and Duggan versus General Erection, The Wall versus Reno, Jeff Jarrett versus Sting. We're approaching 90 minutes, friends, and we are approaching uh, sort of the third of the way through here. If I look at my notes, 107 divided by 3 is 35. We're going to get to 36, let's say, and we'll call it a night for this. Uh, let's go to 70. Let's go to 70, 70, 70. We are in 97 and another match that doesn't age well, but I at least watched the whole thing. Disco Inferno versus Jacqueline. And here's why, or Jackie, I don't know what the name was. She's Jacqueline. We know who she is. Uh, this is why it doesn't age well. Um, it's all has to do with the commentary. The commentary is all talking about the fact that Disco can't lose to a woman and how embarrassing that would be and yada, 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 yada. That part doesn't age well. Uh, Disco Inferno does a a pretty decent job of playing up the situation. He doesn't want to wrestle a woman. He doesn't know how to wrestle a woman. You know, he's trying to grab a move, but that might be weird, so he backs up. Like, there was elements of that that I like. Um, You know... It was short. It didn't age well. Jackie wins. I uh, I would put it. Just shows how sad I thought Jeff Hart or not Jeff. What am I talking about? Bret Hart versus Sting was that I'm doing all of this. Um, it's the third worst match of that card. I put it below Hall versus Luger, and I will say. You know what? It told a better, more sensible story than Jeff Jarrett versus Sting. So we will put it at number 22. And it'll break up that 2000 clump. The Wall versus Reno, I still say, was better. But it will go ahead of uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Sting. Which was, again, a match that didn't make sense. Next up, 14. Flipping... Flipping, flipping, more flipping. Now going the other way. The main event of uh, Halloween Havoc 1990, Sid versus Sting. We're here. We had a brief interlude where we talked about Disco Inferno versus Jackie. Why should Barry Windham have been one of the Stings in 2000? Well, in 1990, Sid is wrestling Sting at one point. They go, they brawl through the crowd, and when they come back, Sting is six inches taller. Because Barry Windham, one of the horsemen, has his hair cut short, is dressed in this somehow, somehow, somehow managed to know what color tights Sting was going to wear, and had the exact same tights made in his size. Maybe he paid off a member of the, the, the costuming crew, uh, painted his face in the exact same way that Sting's face was painted, um, came out to the ring, and, you know, the cameras don't cover it. The cameras are in the bad wrong position. They don't show the fact that this happens. So then Sid winds up pinning the fake Sting. So he wins, except... And Jim Ross has to explain this because camera's not showing it. Then Sting comes out of the crowd looking confused. Barry Windham has run off already. Um, but then he attacks Sid and pins him. And the referee, for some reason, I guess in main event of 1990 Wrestling World, apparently the match ends, but it can be restarted if the guy pinned. Tried. So now all of a sudden it's pinned. Now Sting's got the pin. So I'm assuming Dusty Rhodes had something to do with this. This seems like a weird sort of non finished double-finish type thing. Um, you know, it, it was not a good match. And it wasn't just because of the ending. Sid's young, Sting's young. There's no ring general. So these two guys don't know what they're doing, and they're trying to make a match work, and it wasn't great. And the ending wasn't great. Poor Sting. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and see. I don't know. I can't off the top of my head think of a great match with the exception of the Chamber of Horrors that Sting was in at a Halloween Havoc. Let me make sure I put that part at a Halloween Havoc. Uh, Was this better than Jeff Jarrett versus Sting? (sighs) No, because at least the ending, like at least I could figure out what was happening with that. Was it better than Zodiac versus Randy Savage? No. And I'll even say that Bret Hart versus Sting, while sad, was a more coherent match. So I'm going to say Sid versus Sting from 1990 is the 21st match. No, 26th best match out of only 30. So Sting has currently, currently. Spots 23, 25, and 26. Now, this is Young Sting, and then this is near the end of WCW. Please put us out of our misery, Sting. Maybe there's a match with him in the middle somewhere that will be better. But right now, his best match, according to me, is the Chamber of Horrors. All right. Let's move on here. Because, again, we want to get to at least 36. 23. We're not going that far. 23 we're in 1991 again and this match features the z-man tom zank i've talked to you about how one of my favorite wrestling figures versus the halloween phantom Ooh. the halloween phantom uh who comes out with recognizable eyes and a recognizable stash poking through the mask um he had to wear the bodysuit, or else everyone would have recognized perhaps the greatest abs in the history of pro wrestling. Um, it was a quick match and he hits the Rude Awakening and then the Tony Schiavone. Oh, I think it was Tony Schiavone. It may have been Jim Ross. Oh my goodness, that looked like a move. That was a finishing move that used to be called the Rude Awakening. I haven't seen that since. <laughs> you don't think. Um, he doesn't unmask. Uh, during the match, which was disappointing. It happens later in the show. Uh, the match, I said it was good only because Rick Rude doing the Halloween Phantom entrance was pretty funny. Uh, but otherwise, it was a quick match. It you know, but not on the level of Goldberg versus Chronic Quick, but certainly better than Van Hammer versus Doug Summers Quick. We will put it at 21 it was better than the wall versus reno which i think is going to be another that's kind of like the rosy line remember when we did the list we had the horner line and the rosy line the wall versus reno was at least watchable um this was entertaining and mercifully short and sometimes that's all you need all right let's keep going number 91 we are in where are we we are in 1999, one of the rare, if, oh, wait, hold on. Sorry, let me look at something here. Uh, I'm looking to see how many matches a certain person had at Halloween Havoc. This might be the only one that this person had. I'm just checking my note. Nope, technically he had two. Uh, but Chris Benoit versus Rick Steiner. Chris Benoit qualifies for the bad guy rule. No matter how you want to look at it, he does. Um, So there was, you know, I could have very easily not watched these matches, but I did because I do like Chris Benoit, the wrestler, and I've opined on that many times. Chris Benoit versus Rick Steiner. This was essentially a squash match. And again, this is 99, so we are... A couple months away from Benoit jumping ship. Um, Rick Steiner beat the crap out of him. Not a whole lot of offense from uh, Chris Benoit. Uh, and Rick's not doing any favors to Chris Benoit. Not selling a lot. Not making it believable. Um, and the crowd didn't care about this one-sided match. Uh It ends. Dean Malenko comes out and turns on Chris Benoit. The revolution is over. Yada, 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 Uh, It wasn't good. Should have been better. Again, on paper, this match should have been better. So what are some other matches that on paper should have been better? And again, this wasn't good. Watching Rick Steiner essentially bully Chris Benoit sure might be therapeutic to some people, but not good. Um, Was it better than The Wall versus Reno? You know, we're kind of in the same place. Disco Inferno versus Jackie told a better story. So let's put it here. Let's put it at 24, above Jeff Jarrett versus Sting, because, again, that match didn't make a lick of sense. Chris Benoit versus Rick Steiner. All right, we're putting that at 24. 24. I would love to end this by getting uh, something that could at least crack the top five here. Fifty-four, maybe fifty-four will do it. Maybe fifty-four is what we need. I, not a bad match, not a bad match here. Um, on paper, again, looks great. And and here we have, here we have a Sting match that was fun. That wasn't just Chamber of Horrors. Uh, Sting is teaming with Ric Flair to take on Arne Anderson and Brian Pillman. And again, just by saying that match, you know what's going to happen. Flair is going to turn. Of course he is. Um, I did skip some of this because you knew where the story was going to go. Um, so I will say that. Uh, you know, this is this is 95. Sting desperately needed a character change in 95. He had been essentially the same guy Um, His hair was a little darker, but really it felt like he was kind of in the same guy. He needed that crow gimmick. Totally changes the character. It's such a nice thing to see when wrestlers change characters. Hogan to Hollywood. Nice change. Um, You know, Flair doing all of the babyface heel sort of stuff. Nice change. Not Spartacus. Uh, We talked about Ricky Steamboat. You could make a case that Ricky Steamboat is not seen as highly and has didn't have as successful of a career as he should have because he never really changed. He was the dragon, he was Ricky Steamboat, babyface in the in eighty-three, he was Ricky Steamboat Babyface in ninety-three, and never really changed out of that. Uh, but this match was pretty fun. Um, you know, had a spot where Sting has Arn in the full Nelson, Arn's trying to climb up the ropes to escape, Sting just lets him go and Arn falls. Um you know, Flair's wrestling in street clothes, trying to sell the beat down. Uh, but again, you know, a lot of heels beating up Sting, Sting trying to get to Flair, Sting trying to get the Flair, gets to Flair, Flair turns. <laughs> so it had some fun moments. I enjoyed it. Um, so we're going to put it at, as an enjoyable match, we're going to put it, you know what, we're going to put it at number nine. It didn't tell, it told a story and the match itself was better than Hollywood. Uh, I'm going to put it below the Chamber of Horrors because I love Silly. but it's right there. So Sting is in two matches that are technically in the top 10 at this moment. So he's got that going for him. All right, let's get at least two, maybe three done. 62, 62. Uh, Art Anderson in back-to-back matches, uh, but this time he's taken on Lex Luger. And, you know, it, I can't. I can't handle Lex Luger. He's so loud. Why is he so loud? Why does he have to moan and groan and yell And every time he gets hurt? Why? You're terrible. You're a terrible wrestler. Um, And it ruins an Arn Anderson match. I should love every Arn Anderson match. But he's going, oh, uh, oh, oh. Uh uh unforgivable unforgivable um and the match ends you know Lex beats the crap out of Arn with a chair Arn gets kind of carted out you think he's you know is he going to retire I think they gave him some time off with this match because he's got neck injuries maybe he had surgery or something he retires that following summer in 97 but still uh You know, if you make me not like an Arn Anderson match, I am going to be mad at you. Uh, I will put it above Jeff Jarrett versus Sting. Again, Jeff Jarrett versus Sting may be one of those, like, we've entered just really bad territory right there. So it's a number 26. Chris Benoit versus Rick Steiner was at least faster and nobody was screaming. 69, 69, 69, not good, not good, 1997, this is a match that follows a match that will be in the top five, if not top three, if not best match of Halloween Havoc history, and I bet you can figure out what that one is, Uh, this match had to follow that, and I do feel badly for the people involved mongo mcmichael versus alex wright uh mongo's feuding with deborah deborah brings out her new champion who is das wunderkind which is kind of dumb um the announcers aren't talking about the match the crowd is silent you know alex wright a black hole of charisma had all the tools was good as berlin but alex wright didn't do anything uh, Goldberg does a run-in to help Wright get the win, but all of it was born. Bill Goldberg stunk at this point in his career in 97. Um, oh, we're just filling up the bottom. It's depressing. Uh, at least the Sting stuff was interesting with Jeff Jarrett. At least Zodiac versus Randy Savage was quick. At least Bret Hart versus Sting looked good on paper. We'll break up this, uh, you know, Sting group a little bit more. And we'll put, I keep adding an extra nine, 19,997. Mongo versus Alex Wright, number 30 out of 35. All right, world, fates. Fates, 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 fates. You got to help me here. This number needs to be a good one. I want to end on a high. 26. That bodes well. That bodes well. 26. At least we're early enough where it could be good. 26. What what do you got for me? 26. Nope. Nope. Opening match of the 1992 Halloween Havoc. Six-man tag. On one side, Michael P.S. Hayes, Bobby Eaton, and Arn Anderson. Again, on paper, that should be great, those three. Taking on Tom Zank, um, whatever Sal Sears' name was, Johnny Gunn, and I think Shane Douglas. Huh. The nicest part of this, was that the crowd cheered for the bad guys. That crowd was able to at least recognize talent over not so much talent. Um, and so they cheered for the bad guys when the bad guys cheated, they cheered and they booed like crazy when the baby faces after really doing nothing all match, somehow managed to get the win. It was a disappointing uh, match. so, ugh. We're gonna have to keep go- I have to keep going. I need to end with at least a good match. I got to. I got to got to got to. Uh we're gonna go we'll 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 immediately replace Mongo versus Alex Wright because the only thing that made this match good was watching um Hayes Eating and Arn come out and you're excited. You're seeing those three and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. And then it wasn't. But at least in that moment, we were happy. 49. All right. Come on now. Come on now. Come on, Spider-Man. Come on. All right. 95 opening match. DDP with the Diamond Doll and Max Muscle uh, taking on Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad's on his way out. He's gonna be the wild man Mark Marrow pretty soon that hair kind of reflects it um, you know Paige, this is Paige being bulkier um, he's won a bunch of money you got the diamond doll who's got the cards out this was kind of fun this was a fun match. I don't love Johnny B bad and Kimberly's not an actress but DDP did the best he could he's got a good move set very innovative the pancake where he set you up for a pile driver and drops you on your face. He did a float over DDT, which was impressive in 95. It's not a bad match. Obviously, there's a miscommunication with Max Muscle. Johnny B. bad. your new champion, a decent match. Uh, where will a decent match go? Right now, a decent match feels like it should be t- number one. Breath of fresh air, a decent match. Um, let's put it. It might crack the t- it's got to crack the top 10, I think, because number 10 right now is Hogan versus Savage, which was not a decent match. It was just a decent story. Um, you know what? I'm going to put it at number 9. I enjoyed that match more than I think I enjoyed Arn and Pillman versus Sting and Flair. And let me go check my rankings to see if that's the Nope, I had Arn and Pillman versus Sting and Flair ahead of it. All right, well... I will honor that then. And then we'll just call it number 10. We'll put it at number 10. We'll put it at number 11. Because Hogan and Savage, I, I hated that I enjoyed it. And I should at least honor that. So DDP versus Johnny B-Bad. Currently the 11th greatest match in in Halloween Havoc history. I'm going to just look. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to at least look at what the next match is. If it's good, we'll talk about it. If it's not, we'll end with DDP versus Johnny B. Bad and the Diamond Doll. Yeah, no, we'll just end with this because the next match, not, not exciting. I promise you, friends, there are better matches ahead. And this is what happens when I do things randomly. This is what happens when I do things randomly is that sometimes we you know if I were more thoughtful I would have planned a match to be at the end but that defeats the purpose and the fun for me so at least what I'll do when I record the next episode is I will at least uh randomize the remaining numbers so we have ranked 37 we are a third of the way done which is good because I got three of these episodes to do uh currently Currently, 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 the greatest match of all time at a Halloween Havoc is 1993's Steve Austin versus Dustin Rhodes. And that is a good match. Highly worth your time to watch. Uh, Leading all the way to number 37, the Renegade Warriors versus the Freebirds. But let's not forget to talk about how bad Shane Douglas is. Friends, we're going to leave you there. An hour and 42 minutes to do a third of this. We'll see where we go from here. Love you all. Hope you're well. Hope those you love are doing well. My name is DC Matthews. Uh, We're taking over the end of October. Uh, We'll be back next episode with more of A List. A List. What, what? A List.